to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Hi, I'm Becky, and our first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. You can find it on page 680 of your pew Bible. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is the word of the Lord. Hi everyone, the uh, second reading is uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 23. In the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1023. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a good crop, 
a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked with life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Good evening, friends. Again, let's pray. Our Father, we want to hear your word. And yet, without you, we can't. And so we pray that your spirit would make your ways known to us and direct us into the person of your Son. Amen. I think that the Lord Jesus has one simple question for you this evening, an inquiry, really. How is your hearing? Uh, You may even take Luke chapter 8 as uh, that procedure that you go into the doctor to do when you have too much earwax in and everything's a bit muffly. Uh, Luke chapter 8 is supposed to do the same thing for your spiritual inward heart that we do with our outward waxy ear. And according to Cass, I need to do that. So if there's a doctor in the house, let me know. But hearing is a beautiful, simple, and yet complex thing, isn't it? I mean, you can be walking uh, through Pitt Street in the noise with the music and the stores and all the people around you and kind of just adrift in a sea of sound. And yet, if there is a small child behind you who knows you and calls your name, often you'll hear them. Isn't that incredible? Our ears can be both flooded and focused within uh, a second. And yet we may sit across from someone for 20 years and they tell us the same thing every day. And we never remember it. Or there's that particularly painful type of hearing issue. When someone says they really want you to do something for them, only for that time to arrive when you can enact it and you just don't. 
There's no reason why you can't come up with, you understood at the time and you got the, the weight of it, but then you just didn't. Hearing, listening, and doing are both simple but complicated and beautiful things. But what Jesus says today when it comes to understanding him, he says forcefully in verse 18, be, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. According to Jesus, the way you listen to him is everything. That there may be people who think they have heard him, that they have something from him, only for it to be taken from them, finally. The context here is the growing crowd around the Lord Jesus. You see that at the beginning uh, of the parable he tells in verse 4. A large crowd is gathering to him. He's healing people. He's speaking. and His words are making things happen and making things clear in a way that no one else has done to anyone in their life. And so this group think develops and this crowd develops around Jesus wherever he goes. He's a celebrity. But what's happening around him is almost like group think. It's hive mind. People are there getting healed and they don't even know what's happening. There's just this power coming out. And it's into this mix of people who some of them don't even know why they're there that Jesus says, listen, you're here. You may even have been healed, but if you don't know how to listen right, you might have nothing from me. Everything depends upon your listening to my words. And so Jesus then launches in this chapter of Luke into a series of parables and a story And what you see through here is what that fundamental failure between hearing and acting actually is about. And what it is that that listening to Jesus really ought to be all about. So we're going to do four things together and we'll move through them and think about listening through these stories. But the first thing that Jesus says is that listening has enemies. Listening has enemies. Jesus tells a story of a, of a sower with his seed and he comes out and he throws the seed everywhere and it lands everywhere. It lands on the road and in the rocks and in the thorns. And as Jesus tells this story and as he describes a bit later in the passage, the seed is, is his word and there are different types of reactions and responses to that word. Now, when we read this passage, often what we try and do is we try and work out which one are we? Are we, the, are we the rocky? Are we the path? Are we the thorns? Are we the good soil? And there's something to that. And the crowd's supposed to work themselves out. But the reality is, is that Jesus is naming the difficulty of listening for all of us and calling out the enemies of his word. There are three enemies that he calls out. But when the seed lands on the path, The bird comes and it eats it and it flies away. And what Jesus says is that this is when the word uh, hits someone in verse 12, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Jesus says, if you want to know one of the really big reasons why when I talk about God's love and about forgiveness and about the coming kingdom of God and no one responds... The reality is that I have an enemy who hates my word and considers it so dangerous that he will snatch it away 
at first chance. Now, we might hear this story of a, of a spiritual adversary, an enemy out there lurking in the world, and think we're bright modern people and we don't really do that sort of hocus pocus thing anymore. But the reality of Christians that I've spoken to and non-Christians who I've spoken to is that when they pick up the Word of God and they start to interact with the Bible, that often in their experience there is an opposition in them to reading it. Almost they're not wanting to be there. Like something is contriving or striving against them. I've had this experience in my own life. And I've heard it countless times from Christians around me. And the, the reality is, according to the Lord Jesus, that the original and firmest and greatest enemy of God's word is the Satan, the adversary. And friends, let me tell you tonight that he wants to drive the fattest wedge possible between you and the gospel of grace, between you and the word of truth. And that you should not be unaware of his schemes. But the second enemy that Jesus names is a little different. The, the seed falls on some rocky ground. It says it doesn't have soil. It's actually a really strange saying. It doesn't have decaying flesh in the soil. I don't know anything about that. But, you know, it's the nutritious soil isn't there. And so later on it says it doesn't have root. And so it goes up for a time, but then it dies. Jesus says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You see, the second enemy of listening is pressure, testing. Uh, that word often is associated most strongly with persecution, with enemies of the people of God who want to oppose the message. But really, it also broadens out to mean more than that. It means uh, that time when uh, a circumstance falls on a believer where to hold to the word of God is to lose something. It may be their life or their house or their belongings or relationship or status. It may be the thing that they long for that they can't have in obedience to God's word. When pressure falls, the temptation is to weigh the word of God in your hand and say, actually, maybe not. I don't, want, I don't want this. I don't want that cost. And so I don't want this. And so we hear the word of God, but we don't live it out. But the third enemy I actually find the most terrifying because I can see it so clearly in my own life. The third seed falls among the thorns. And Jesus says the thorns grow up around it and asphyxiate it so that it doesn't grow to maturity. Jesus says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. The third enemy is the thorns. And what the thorns are here are the good things of life that weigh too heavy on the heart. It's when good things are loved too much that the word can't be heard, that it can't do its work, that it might be received, but it can't do the full work inside of you. And instead, things 
as grow around you and take hold. It's kind of like when you try and listen to something on audio and watch something visually. I do this all the time. I have no idea why. Because when, when you have something so vivid in front of you visually and you're trying to listen to something on audio, there's no contest. The visual wins every time. And the reality as we listen to God's Word is that we have it on audio and sometimes we have everything else on visual. We have Jesus' view of money in our ears and then we have the beautiful things of Sydney on visual. We have Jesus' view of marriage and singleness and sex in our ears but then there's the world and the people in front of us and the longings of our heart to go after them. We have the gospel on audio and the, the, the pleasures and the good things in life on visual. And those things stop us listening and living out the Word of God. And when I was reading this, I was really struck by the fact that Jesus says the thorns grow. Thorns grow. The reality is not that the plant has stopped growing, but the thorns grow and grow up around it. Because I know in my life that my thorns have been growing. That as I get older, a certain way of life, a certain family, a certain career, a certain view of money and success and significance grows stronger in my heart. And it is that reality that is trying to choke the word in me so I don't mature. The third enemy are the thorns. The love of good things that stop us listening to the word of God. They're the three dangers. But the question is, well, what do you do with that? A spiritual adversity, pressure from the world, and let's face it, whenever you walk into a public sphere now and say you believe the word of God as it is, you will face pressure. And then there are the thorns growing up, visual, with the gospel and audio. What do we do with that? But Jesus helps us, and really this whole parable kind of boils down to the reality that listening in the end takes heart. That's the second thing. Listening takes heart. Now, in Luke, Jesus gives a special priority to the heart in this parable in a way that when it's written in Mark and Matthew, it's not as clearly there. But all through the Gospel of Luke, you see this emphasis on the heart. When Jesus is born, it's prophesied that he will uh, divide soul and that People's hearts will become known. And, and Mary treasures the reality of Jesus in her heart. And then as Jesus starts his Galilean ministry, he brings people's hearts into bear for the first time. And then he starts to teach how the good we do comes out of the good store in our heart. And we're to love God with all of our heart. And where your treasure is, there your heart is. And then more hearts are revealed. And after he's raised from the dead at the end, the disciples' hearts burn within them. As he explains the scriptures to him, Luke is, has an emphasis upon taking the Lord Jesus' gospel into your heart. And, and what he kind of defines it as through all of this story is it's your treasure chest. It's the place uh, where you hold the things of highest value. And Jesus says that the good soil in verse 15 stands for those with a noble and good heart not only hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You see, the word of the gospel, the word of the kingdom of God, has not done its work until it touches your treasure chest. 
until it displaces whatever is in there. Until it has mastery over the thorns and the things on visual in your life. It cannot bring about its full crop. Unlike the seed in the rocky ground, it perseveres under pressure. Because under pressure, do you know what happens? You have this choice. You have a cost and you have the word of God. And each time you have a choice to make. And you get to say each time, yes, the word of God is worth this cost. And then you start to treasure it more. And then more pressure comes. And, and you say, there's this cost and there's the word of God, the gospel of grace. I choose the gospel of grace. I treasure that. And our hearts, they take hold of it again and again and again. And by persevering, it becomes our treasure. And when it becomes our treasure, it starts to infect our life. And that is the kind of listening that the Lord Jesus is after in the gospel of Luke. And that is the center of this parable. Listening takes heart. What is in your heart that the Word of God is trying to displace? But there's a third thing. And this we move out of the heart into the public sphere. Uh, This looks like a separate parable, but Jesus doesn't really take a breath between the two. They're kind of interconnected. But all of a sudden, he stops talking about seeds and fruit and starts talking about light. And he starts making the point that listening actually lights you up. Now, they seem disconnected, but I think they're actually intimately connected. Um, One talks about this outward production of fruit, and the next talks about the outward production of light. Because what happens when the word starts to be treasured in your heart is you start to shine. You start to look like the light that the word of the gospel is. Now, what Jesus says is that you are not to hide your light. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand that those come in can see the light. You see, the temptation, having heard the word of God, is to walk out into the world and to become what I might want to call a kind of secret Christian. Now, this does not involve, not being a secret Christian does not involve a milk crate and a megaphone. What I'm talking about are those little moments in life when the gospel of the Lord Jesus just bubbles in and overflows around you. Like when you walk into work tomorrow and someone says, how was your Sunday? And you know, you go, well, I went to a park and I went to a movie and then I, and then we had dinner at a pub. It was really good. Or someone asks you, so what have you been reading lately? And you're like, well, I've been thinking about Trump and yeah, and this other, yeah, there these moments that we have when, when we would naturally talk about Jesus because he's just a part of our life. And what tends to happen is we have this temptation to suppress those things. I know this very well because, you know, as soon as I start talking about what I do, I get asked questions. And sometimes I'm really tired and I don't really feel like talking about Jesus and suffering in the world or about legitimately of, uh, of marriage in the Bible. But the reality that Jesus says here is that we are not to hide our light. And the reason he gives in verse 17 is that all, uh, there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known. A time is coming when everyone will see the reality of the word of God as Jesus has proclaimed it. Earlier on in verse 10, Jesus says to his disciples that they have the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. He speaks to everyone else in parables 
but to them he reveals everything. They know that the light has dawned in the Lord Jesus. And when they listen to that word, they take on that light and they become that dawn to the people around them. That dawn that will be known by all in the end when Jesus is known and celebrated as king. And Jesus says, you cannot hide that light. I was talking to um, a mum at Erskineville who's realized over the last year that she is potentially the only Christian family in her school, her whole primary school. It just so happened at the end of last year that someone walked up to her and said, hey, um, I heard that you go to church. I don't know any Christians, and I have some questions for you. She's like, okay, (laughs) sure. But can you imagine her becoming the secret Christian in a school where there is no other? She is the only light of dawn in that place. Her listening lights her up. And it is not to be hidden, but to be known. Listening should light you up. And here's what happens. When you take your listening and the Word of God into the public sphere, when you let it bubble up, do you know what happens? Your confidence in it grows. Because all of a sudden, it's not just you in here with your heart and Jesus and the Bible. It's you out in the world saying, do you know what? This kingdom is for this world and it's for you and it's for everything. And it's a public truth, not just a private one in my heart. When listening lights us up and we take it out into the world, all of a sudden, our listening actually deepens. That's why Jesus links it to listening. He says, be careful how you listen. Let it come out of you. Let it grow into light in you. Let it produce curiosity in others that they might come into the same light. Listening lights up. Listening has enemies. Listening takes heart and listening lights up. But the last thing that Jesus says is that listening, actually, it's a family job. It's a family job. He swaps out of parable gear and you get out into the scene and you realize he's surrounded by a crowd. And his mother and his brothers are outside. Uh, and suddenly someone runs through the crowd and says, do you know your mother and brothers are outside? You should probably let them in. There's a big crowd, but you should probably make that happen. Jesus looks around and says, do you know who my mother and brothers are? They're the people around me who listen to God's word and they do it. Now, don't uh, let the enormity of this be lost on you. Family is everything in the ancient world. It demands your loyalty. It demands your priority. It defines your time. It defines who you are. And yet Jesus says, do you know what? My kingdom is not defined by bloodlines, but by those who follow and love and know the word of God and as a family live it out together. Listening is my family's task, taking on the word of God together. Listening grows us into connection to Jesus, which connects us to one another. And listening becomes not an individual task, but a collective task for us as a team, hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. You actually get a picture of this at the beginning of chapter 8. and We kind of, kind of just gloss over it, but it's actually fascinating 
We're told who travels with Jesus. And the 12 are with him in verse 1. And also some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. And by the way, they bankrolled Jesus, which is really interesting as a historical side note. Apparently, Jesus' whole entourage was funded by this group of women and the money they supported him with. Women of means supported the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that phenomenal? But what you get of a picture here is, is three women who have left their homes to follow the Lord Jesus and by listening have taken on his priorities and what he is on about and his kingdom as their priority. Now, did you notice there's a parallel here between their story and the story of the, uh, the sower? Look at the three women. Who's the first one? Mary. She's had seven demons driven out of her. Who's the first enemy of the word of God? Satan. Jesus had to drive Satan out of Mary's heart so the word could go in. What's the second enemy? Pressure. Who has the most pressure in the ancient world? How about King Herod? who killed John the Baptist and who worked with Pilate to make sure Jesus went the same way. Someone high up in Herod's house bankrolls Jesus at the risk of her life. That is listening. And these three women and the many others with them aren't taken over with money and wealth and the good pleasures of this world, but take that money and lay it at the feet of Jesus that he might go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. Here you have a family of listening, of people who treasure the word of God enough to forget pressure and to forget the things on visual and to live out his word. And it is not their capacity, not their strength that leads them to be able to do this, but it is the Lord Jesus who drove the spirits out and who courageously walks before them. Listening is a family task. It draws us into relationship, new relationship with Jesus, a new relationship with one another. So as we conclude, let me ask you the question again, how is your hearing tonight? That's the question that the Lord Jesus is asking. What pressure in your life is pushing you to consider the cost and not the value of his word? What thorns are growing up? In what circumstance are you, are you tempted to hide the light that is starting to glow in you? And is it that you're maybe tempted to step out of community rather than draw close into it, into the community of listening and doing the word of God? You know, all of us, in the end, crack under pressure. Satan often wins on the days with God's word, and we crack when there's costs, and the thorns, they do suffocate. But you know, when the Lord Jesus was in the desert, and Satan was with him, and the pressure was immense, and he was offered all the kingdoms of the world, he clung to the word of God alone. And where we always fail, he always clung and obeyed. So that the, the destruction that comes from our hardness of heart 
falls on him on the cross that we might gain his perfection and that we might not just have our ears in us, but we might have his spirit enabling us to obey as he has obeyed, to cling where he clings, to face up under pressure because he always stands under pressure and to consider everything worth losing, to, to keep laying hold of the word of God. I don't know what it is that is hampering your listening as you walk into 2017. But treasure him who listened perfectly and lean on his strength. Open the word of God and act. Let's pray. Our Father, you know us. You know the people in the room who are feeling pressure at their workplace and in their family who are feeling like obeying is too costly. You know those who are feeling the tug of Sydney on their hearts and it's cramping the word of God. You know those who want to remain in, in, the, in secret rather than out in the open. Father, we all have these frailties in our hearts and we pray now that you forgive the hardness of our hearts and by your spirit, Open our ears and open our hearts that by treasuring you who died for us, your word might displace the treasures of our heart and we might instead bear fruit a hundredfold for the sake and glory of your name. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.